Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Blood on the Rocks. I'm your host, Akshay Taylor, and today I'm joined by Sophie Pace. Hello! <laughs> How's it going out there? So you're getting into it already? Yeah, 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 it's good. Perfect. I, I'm not nervous. <laughs> Do you want to say a little bit about yourself then? Um, I know Akshay through university, and today I am going to be talking about the Marquis de Sade. Excellent. I have no idea what it's going to be on about, so I'm excited. He was a French aristocrat who was imprisoned due to the various perversions he had and the books he wrote. Excellent. And his last name, Dassard, is where the word sadist comes from. Excellent. This is, going to, this is going to be great. Okay, I'm going to be talking about a pretty legendary German bandit called Peter Niers. Um, and um, this is where I give you a choice, because people are comfortable with different things. So mm -hmm. do you want to go first or should I? You go first and then I'll follow your lead. Perfect. Okay, we'll do that then. Okay, we'll uh, cut the music and then um, we'll just figure out and then we'll just yeah, get shit fine. together. And then, that's fine. Yeah. So, um, da -da 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 -da. let's talk about Peter Nears. Like, we've, we've been in Scandinavia for the last two weeks with my stories, and also Cosmos last week. So now we're going to a bit closer to home, I guess. Yeah, like, we're going more Central Europe. We're going yeah. to Germany uh, in the 15th century. Ooh. Which was basically the height of medieval Europe. So, uh... Castles and dragons and dungeons and stuff like that. Yeah, also bandits, uh, murder, general that's, corruption. I guess that's one way of looking at it, yeah. Yeah, probably a, a little less nice than the dragons. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are a few dragons. Okay, well, I'll, I can hope. I can hope. <laughs> yeah, lots of uh, fear, poverty and all that stuff. Mm. And um, basically, for peasants, life had a lot of oppression and taxes uh, and general... General non-nice things. Taxation is theft. <laughs> uh, I don't believe that. She says. <laughs> yeah. So basically, the poor couldn't do shit. Okay. Like, they were often denied any rights that they should have had mm. and stuff. But yeah. Um, so, Peter Nears, we start hearing about him in Alsace. Where he started off and... Um, all the uh, peasant stuff around here uh, started revolting and stuff, taking on the symbol of the bun shoe. Or the... the bun shoe? Yes, it's a like a wooden shoe worn by peasants. Oh, okay. Um, I'm picturing, like, clogs. Basically. Okay. All the outbreaks of, of uh, rioting uh, and rebellion in general was all led by the shoe. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I'm still talking about the shoe. The shoes are important. You know, these peasants may be revolting, but at least they look fashionable. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, uh, it's actually not important at all. I don't, like... <laughs> like I said, it was pretty, like, I was pretty rushed with this one. But, <laughs> That's um, fine. <laughs> but I'm going to roll with it. Yep, I think you should. And it's going to be great. <laughs> so, um... And then there was the revolution of 1525, which basically was the typeset for uh, uprisings of the period. And after this, there was a general resentment against the wealthy and stuff like that. Which is probably what shaped um, Peter Nears' upbringing mm -hmm. in general. 
Massacring uh, the bourgeoisie. <laughs> um, not quite, but um, he definitely took it one way. Okay, okay. <laughs> he grew up as a Protestant, the most renounced religion of the time, and so he was quite likely um, struggling with his own identity and beliefs and stuff, especially in a, t- in a time where even if a certain religion wasn't the right one for, for mm. you, religion was still very important. Yeah, yeah. Like, it would be like pretty out there to not believe, I think, mm. around this time. I mean, I think up until about the 20th century, that, well, nine, yeah, 20th century. Yeah, I mean, just because, like, you know, not much education, lots of fear and stuff. Yeah. Um... But yeah, but after this, um, Nia, Nia's went off, and after most likely renouncing his faith, and um, end up and end up finding um, lots of connections in the underworld, Ooh. Uh, which uh, yeah, which apparently he created, uh, finding lots of power and prestige and stuff, and uh, he went on to become very well known. I see. Well, how how did this occur then? Yeah, basically, like he is. Documented in stuff like uh, folk tales and songs from the period. Oh, interesting. Um, so basically, at the time, he was basically an urban legend. Yeah, and there was also like um, free booklets illustrating his activities. And people wrote ballads and stories and stuff. And this basically turned turned him into a legend. Okay. Um, that's still known. To, that's still seen today, apparently. Yeah. Since yeah. I found him. <laughs> Um, is it would it be like a well-known legend in Germany or I'm not sure but um considering like this story's lasted from the 1500s to yeah, now yeah yeah and it's been all sorts of stuff yeah, yeah in Germany it's probably still like a folktale or something I could imagine yeah quite likely because around now I think around now the Germany was the Holy Roman Empire okay I always thought that was France but it could have changed. Well, one of us is right, probably. I mean, hopefully, this is when we find out it was actually Poland. <laughs> well, um, either way, someone can yell at us in the comments. Okay, that's or on, fine. Or on Twitter or whatever. If you know the answer, let us know. But <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm banking on I'm banking on it being Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take that bet. <laughs> excellent. Right, thank you for the beer, by the way. Oh, no problem. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. I'm afraid this is the only good stuff I have. I mean, it's beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been awake for two hours and I'm powering through this. I am going to be wrecked by the end of this show. I'm sure it'll be fine. So, um, yeah, let's talk more about Peter, shall we? Yeah, yeah. He seems like a cool bloke. Oh, yeah. So basically, he was one of the leading figures in, like, in this underground of bandits that roamed the countrysides, constantly changing its composition and uh, sometimes joining together with major raids or splitting off into smaller groups to rob and kill on a smaller scale over different areas. So uh, for, around, for around this time, that's pretty um, logistically intra- like impressive. Yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> like, like they had Facebook then. Yeah. And um, like there's a historian called Joe Wiltenberg who, who's written a fair bit about this. Okay. Um... So uh, one of the things she basically she basically wrote was, um, of course, the profession of robbery required some roving. Whether the principles had been itinerant beforehand or not, it was in spaces outside cities where these bands operated, particularly in the woods and mountains and along unfrequented roads. The gang led by Nias and Suma reportedly started in Alsace, but after gathering a group of twenty-four near South Falberg. 
Falsberg. I'm going to go Falsberg. Falsberg? Okay. Um, Google it. <laughs> the, the, no, the P is now silent. Okay. Okay. Like, sorry if you're from there, but um, I can't pronounce that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, they separated to rob and murder. Um, accordingly, they were caught in different places. One in the Imperial City in Landau, one at Kirchweiler am Rhein, four at Strasbourg, nine at Falsberg, <laughs> and six at Koblenz. So, um, basically, the way of operating doesn't seem to have started with Nias and Suma, but um, apparently Nias had a mentor called Martin Steer from the 1550s and, until his arrest and execution in 1572, who had led a gang of 49 ba- bandits working as shepherds between the Netherlands and Wuttenberg. And Joy basically says that shepherds around here were... Just, just to give you a bit of an idea of the general period, uh, shepherds were widely dishonourable, uh, especially in, in the thinking of the urban guilds around then. And um, an example of that is like a novel around then where, the, where a young anti-hero slides down the social scale uh, to that of a herdsman before hitting uh, rock bottom and as a wandering minstrel. Oh... <laughs> So, uh, I I think that there are worse things to be than a wandering minstrel. Well, um, apparently not then. Okay. Like, uh, like in the eyes, these are in the eyes of like urban guilds and stuff. Like, okay, like, I guess that makes or whatever, sense. Like, also, with minstrels, unions. I always picture the sweets, you know, the galaxy make. Mm-hmm. I always just picture them on legs going around. <laughs> I know that's not what it yeah. is, but. Oh man, so sorry, bards. <laughs> I'm so sorry to all of you out there <laughs> who is a bard. <laughs> I'm sure there's a few. Yep, definitely. <laughs> there's that common occupation in this day and age. Mm. I mean, at the very least, someone must play D and D out there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. But yes, I'm getting I'm getting derailed. Let's um get back to it. So. And basically described him as being far from civilized society and alone with the animals, uh, where he has time to think over his misdeeds. And members of su- such a group were unsurprising suspects. Hmm. So they kind of expected people like that to be murderers anyway. Okay, so, fair um, enough. I mean, I think that removal from society and wandering among the animals, that's goals. Yeah. That's what I want to oh, do yeah. with my life. Oh, yeah. Well... Maybe not murder in particular, but just... Okay, um, maybe not the murdering bit. Um, but just um, unsavoury character, shall we say. <laughs> yes. In 1577, some gang members were caught, including Nias himself. But before this, um, a Klaus Stricker uh, confessed uh, early in the year in April that ten years earlier he had worked together with Nias and helped him murder a 20-year-old woman in Gotswold. Shit, mate. And a accomplice named Peter Obluff... Uh, drew up a list of 14 gang members, including the name of Peter Nears. So uh, they kind of knew about him already. Okay. Like, so he was probably on a watch list or something, like on wanted yeah. posts or whatever. He'd been on Crime Stoppers. <laughs> They'd sent out the call on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, Nears was arrested and tortured in Gabat, uh, where he confessed to 75 acts of murder. Shit. But he somehow managed to escape. Oh, okay. As you do with when yeah. you have confessed to 75 counts of murder. I mean, I think that, you know, I had imagined the death penalty still existed then. And if uh, that's what you're facing, you don't have much to lose, do you? Mm. 
But yeah, so somehow he managed to escape. Um, I'm not sure the details of that, but... He did? Yep. That's, Kudos. That's one of the big parts of his legend. Yeah, over the next few years, um, until, his, until he got arrested again in 1581, a number of pamphlets, ballads, stories, whatever, were all written and circulated, detailing his cannibalism... Oh, God. And mastery of the black arts. Oh, okay. So he was a wizard as well. Yes. he Like like I said, he became legendary around... I can see why now. Yeah. That's um, how he escaped prison. He was a wizard. Yeah, basically. It all makes sense. I mean, too fair about then it would. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like... yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, for example, it was said that when Nia's and Suma's gang gathered at Falsberg... <laughs> <laughs> They had a meeting with the devil who gave his blessing to the gang's ambitions, even providing Nears and Sumo with monthly pay, which is pretty goals. Yeah, monthly pay is the goal of every millennial. <laughs> monthly pay from the devil. Like, I mean that as well. I wonder what he, wonder what he paid him in. Honestly, I'm just happy with monthly pay. <laughs> that too. But yeah, and uh, along with gaining, granting Nears supernatural powers... Um, However, even earlier in this, it seems that Nears learned how to become invisible from his mentor, Martin Steer. Oh. And the only reason he was finally caught was because he um, left behind his bag containing magical, magical materials to make himself invisible. Uh, one of the main components of such a material was thought to be the remains of fetuses. Oh, gross. Mm -hmm. And during the casting of the spell, the fetus hearts were to be eaten. How well formed? How would you get a hold of these fetuses? Uh, he was um, said to have killed twenty-four pregnant women. Oh shit! And then just rip the fetus out. That's really grim. It really is. And uh, another use of fetal black magic. Mm. I call... <laughs> fetal black magic. <laughs> the, the, that is the quotes from the internet. That's a good. That's a good band name. Yeah, it really is. Well, I it's... call dibs. Oh man, it's pretty metal. <laughs> Yeah, it was to concoct the flesh and fats of infants into magic candles that, when lit, would allow them to rob houses without awakening the inhabitants. Mm. I feel like there'd be easier ways to do that, but I guess murdering pregnant women is one way of mm. doing things. But yeah, I think that but there's like parallels here with um, the Hand of Glory, if you've ever had that. Is that um, the one that makes the light that only the Holder can see? Or am I getting this from Harry Potter only? <laughs> Um, I think in some forms it, that's a thing, but um, the, mo the mo most traditional thing is uh, basically it's a, a dried and pickled hand of a man who has been hanged. Okay. Which is actually quite hard to say. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, say that ten times quickly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hanged and pickled yeah. hand. But, no, that's not know, right? correct. Yeah. Go on, sorry. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, it's usually specified as left hand. Mm-hmm. Because medieval times. Yeah, they didn't like left hands, did they? Nope. Or left-handed people. Yep. Or just the left. Which is great, because I'm left-handed. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, why you're doing this. Obviously. It's just it's just spite. <laughs> um, but yeah, if the man was hanged for murder, it was the hand that did the deed. Okay. Yeah, basically, they take that hand and um, make a candle using fat from the corpse of the same, of the same victim who died in the gallows. That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. The ca and basically, the candle, when lighted and placed in the hand of glory, was said to render motionless 
anyone to whom it's presented. Okay. Um, and he was said to have other supernatural powers as well, um, Nia's. Like, in particular, physical transformation. With stories saying that he could change um, his shape into that of a log or a stone. <laughs> I was expecting like, it to be like a lion or a wolf or something impressive, but nah, he's just chilling as a log. You got your Naruto stuff there, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but according to late um, one of the later ballads, um, he could also become a goat, dog, or cat at will. Okay, that's a bit better. Goats are pretty metal. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would not fuck with a goat. No. I like goats, they're cute, but I wouldn't fuck with one. Mm. Yeah, uh, account around time um, suggested that it was more that he was a master of disguise. And in one of the warrants in, in 1579, based on confessions from underlings, he was said to change his appearance and costume frequently. Sometimes pretend to be a soldier, or a leper, or w- whatever. So it's probably likely that he couldn't turn himself into a log. Or maybe. Who maybe. knows? We'll never know. We'll never know. Two, but a few things uh, did stay constant, which were he always had a lot of money on him. Okay. He ca- he carried two loaded pistols in his trousers, and he had a huge two-handed sword. <laughs> a a. E. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it took me a second. <laughs> you like agreed, and then. <laughs> but yeah, like um, and there were a few particulars about his appearance in like in uh, the folk song about him, which were um, he was rather old. Two fingers were crooked, and he had a long scar on his chin. So uh, they had a kind of description of him. And then we can go into how he was captured. Um, because, yeah, apparently there's a lot of detail about him some of that, some of that this period. So, I mean, uh, I mean legendary. Would, yeah, as famous as he is and all the bad shit he did, I'd imagine that they'd be rather proud of actually catching him mm-hmm. in the end. So it makes sense that that's documented. Yeah. One of the ballads that basically says um, how he was discovered basically says that he arrived at Newmarks and lodged in an inn called Bells. Um, a couple days later, uh, he decided to go to the public bathhouse, leaving behind his precious bag of magical materials to be kept safe by the innkeeper. I mean, that's your first mistake. Why Why would you do that, mate? If, like, if your ghost is listening, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, I mean, here, just have my fetus bag. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't smell. Ignore it. It's fine. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, around by this point, uh, Nia's was notorious. Like, every, like, so basically, it, like, it is spread. He's not a clever cookie is what I'm getting from this. Mm. So his physical appearance is circulated in warrants, pamphlets, whatever. And at the bathhouse, someone recognised him. And eventually, like, whispering spread throughout the guests um, that, that he might be the, one, the famous murderer. So um, apparently Nias didn't notice the change in mood. And, um, well, in time for two citizens in, in, the, in the bathhouse to go to the inn he was staying at. And when they asked, the innkeeper gave him gave them a bag. Here, have my fetus bag. Yeah, I think that's going to end up being a sticker or something. <laughs> have my fetus bag. <laughs> oh oh <man>. dear. <laughs> we are going to weird Can and we, wonderful places. We really are. What I can't get over though is that imagine how bad those fetuses must have smelt. I know. That's just the one... Okay, this is medieval times where I was just shit in the street. 
But still, like, yeah. How long did he keep these things for? I don't know. Maybe he kept them fresh. <laughs> he 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 also invented the refrigerator is a lesser known fact so right. he could uh keep his fetuses fresh anyway uh so the keeper gave them the bag they opened it and it contained several cut off hands and hearts from murdered fetuses they just say people reacted pretty quickly <laughs> and they soon enough eight men gathered and uh took down mitnears when he realised that they'd found out what he had in the sack, he admitted to who he was, and that he was guilty, and confessed to many murders. Shit. Do you want to take a guess as to how many he ended up um, admitting to? Um, well, it was already 70-something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 75 uh, and the first time he got robbed. 75 the first time. A hundred and something? Yeah, and um, also it's over a 15-year period. Okay. Um, no. He was en- he ended up being found guilty of 544 individuals. Jesus. Including 24 pregnant women and the fetuses uh, that, they- that he'd cut out of their wombs. Facts of cannibalism and magic. Oh my god, that is grim. Oh yeah, it's um... How, how do you go through life doing that? What makes you think I'm gonna murder 500 people? I... I can't fathom it, but... Who I mean, knows? I'm glad you can't fathom it, otherwise I'd be out of here. <laughs> I mean, too. I mean, I guess uh, from, it was more like coming from a poor place, not yeah. get, and uh, suddenly being minted. Yeah, I mean, especially I guess... when you had no education and stuff, you're just like that's capitalism. This is, yeah, it's just for like you. this is working. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I generally don't condone murdering 544 people. Mm-hmm. Maybe 543, but... Yeah, the, the 44th person, the 544th person was pushing it. I oh, know, it's... Oh, man. But anyway, <laughs> so he was captured. Okay. Let's go into what happened next, shall we? Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, Peter Nears was tortured and executed over the course of three days in September 1581. Nice. Very nice. Yep. Do you want to take any guesses? As to how? Um, did they murder his fetus? Um, and what? No. <laughs> okay, I, I'm, I'm taking the piss. Don't worry. Did they? Did they dismember him? That's one point. Uh, did they skin him? I'll give you a point. Yeah, half a yeah, point. I'll, I'll give you a full point for that. Oh, that's, okay. That's, that's basically right. I'm on yeah. two points. I'm on two points. That's... Did they gouge out his eyes? No. Ah, oh, shit. Anyway, okay, tell me. Let's go into it, shall we? I'm excited. On the first day of Christmas, um, <laughs> strips of flesh were torn from his body and heated oil was poured into his wounds. Oh, ow. On the second day of Christmas... <laughs> I'm going to stop now. <laughs> this is a whole new take on Christmas. <laughs> on oh, man. the first day of Christmas, <laughs> I was skinned alive. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so on the second day, uh, his, his feet were smeared with heated oil and then held above uh, glowing coal, thereby roasting him. Ow. One ballad uh, includes an additional detail, and where apparently a metal pony was made, where and he had to ride the pony while it was heated to, to the glowing point. Kinky. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be that I- would, impressive. I mean, <laughs> yeah, if you get off on that. I'd like to say I don't judge, but I do judge. Slightly. 
Sorry. Sorry, lads. <laughs> if that's your kink, I am judging you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right. So, day three. The third day of Christmas. <laughs> I was trying. <laughs> I just had to. Okay? I know. I knew if I, you weren't going to, I had to take that role. I, I appreciate it. Okay, I'm glad. Oh, man. Right, so... 16 September 1581. He was dragged to his, the place of execution and broken on the wheel. What does that mean? Right. So, the wheel was basically a large wooden wagon wheel with a... You know the, one that, the ones that have lots of spokes? Okay. Like the, like the poles go for it. Yeah. But yeah. So, one a basically big one that where the, uh, the condemned were lashed to the, the wheel and... Um, Often with their, their limbs through the spokes and uh, with their body on top, Base, and then they'd basically be um, beaten with a club or an iron or an iron cudgel with the gaps in the wheel, basically allowing the limbs to give way and break, because um, they work as like levers. Yeah. Okay. I feel a, just just a tiny bit queasy. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, um, you asked. <laughs> Sometimes the wheel itself was used for the bludgeoning, um, which I believe is what happened in this one. Okay. I'm not sure if they'd use the wooden blocks. They do it exactly this t- this way every time, but um, basically they they use wooden blocks to raise l- the limbs and then slam a wagon wheel down on the limbs. Fun times. Yep. Uh, the survival time after being broken could could be pretty long. There is an account of a 14th century murderer who lived for three days after Ouch. after the treatment. And around times of that death, uh, apparently a Jew named um, Bona dies. Underwent the treatment. The uh, treatment. You make him it sound like a spa day. Yep. And well, torture then. Yep. Underwent <laughs> torture. Let's let's say it as it is. And uh, apparently he lived for four days and four nights afterwards. Oh, poor bastard. Yeah. I apparently I read. I don't have it written down here, but I did read <laughs> once that um, apparently what they. I'm not sure where it was, but uh, someone was kept alive for nine days because using with the help of strong drink. Well, if all else fails, turn to alcohol. Yeah. I mean, that's still pretty grim. But yeah. I think death would be the better but alternative. Yeah. In, but, you know. But yeah, in in for years, um, after he was dragged, after he got taken to the place of execution, uh, the wheel was slammed down on him forty-two times. Ouch. Yep. And, but he was still alive. So they, so finally, they dismembered him by quartering. Of course, that's the only way forward from that point. Yeah. But yeah, so that was the tale of Nears Peter... No, no Pete, Peter Nears. Peter Nears Peterson. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was the story of Peter Nears. I am, thank you for sharing that with me. That's a tale I shall pass down to my children and my grandchildren. Please do. Um, I'm here to traumatise. <laughs> yeah. On a side note, there was apparently another bandit in the 16th century called Christman Genipper Tenga <laughs> My favourite thing Tenga. here is your inability to pronounce German names I'm really bad at it I didn't realise until I started until I, this episode <laughs> Well you learn something new every day I should have practised Oh no <laughs> But yeah uh, in the 16th century uh, who may have been fictitious but not sure mm-hmm. uh, he may have also been real 
Uh, apparently, over a 13 year period, he murdered 964 people. Bloody hell. But yeah, that's um, something you can look up later anyway. So, uh, yeah, because yeah, gonna... anyway, let's get on. To, we need to get on to your stories. Oh, God. It's going to be great. <laughs> uh, so, we'll cut to music here so you can get your thoughts together. Yeah. And uh, then we'll come back and we'll just go for it. Nice. I'm excited. Yes. <laughs> And we're back. Hello again. <laughs> so it's my turn to talk now about various grim things. Dazzle me. Uh, so the man I'm going to talk about didn't actually do anything that bad, comparatively speaking, himself. But as I said, he was arrested for his sexual perversions and wrote some books which are disgusting. Even to me, absolutely disgusting. So, the Marquis de Sade was a French nobleman born in 1740, which was a few years before the revolution, just for some historical context. His father left and his mum joined a convent, leaving him to be raised by servants, which he was basically spoiled by, like he became the typical spoiled rich brat. (laughs) Mm. by many accounts. My favourite. Yeah. (laughs) So when he got older, he began recruiting his own servants and a lot of prostitutes, because prostitution was legal back then, so that was fine. Mm -hmm. And these servants would quit within a few months of being in his employment. Loads of prostitutes complained to the government saying, this man mistreated me. So he was already on a watch list on Crime Stoppers or whatever. (laughs) But the first major scandal happened in 1972, I believe, where he brought in a beggar woman. Mm -hmm. She believed that she was going to be a housemaid, but he stripped her naked, tied her up and whipped her mercilessly for quite... Quite a while. Jesus. Yeah. He then poured hot wax into the wounds where they'd opened up on her skin. And after a few days of this, she escaped by jumping out of a second floor window. Pretty shit. Yeah. So she she went through some traumatic stuff. That's one way to put it. Yeah, yeah. He was taken into questioning from the authorities, but was let off because he was an aristocrat and she was a beggar. And that's the bourgeoisie for you. (laughs) I am going to stop making leftist jokes at some point, but this is not that point. You do you. Okay. So in 1972, he didn't live for 200 years. In 1772, he was arrested again for incapacitating prostitutes before having sex with them, and also for sodomy with his manservant. Um, The two men were sentenced to death, but they ran away and evaded justice. Um, I find it interesting how it was the sodomy that was the final line, not... You know, yeah. the beating, raping, incapacitating of prostitutes. 
Oh, don't we live in a lovely world? Yeah, we do, don't we? And the thing is, is that all the sources I heard, it was like, it was all consensual, the gay sex. It was the rest that people weren't happy with. But, you know, I guess that's that that's the world we live in today. Mm-hmm. Oh. Or 300 years ago. People, yeah, people were shit. People <laughs> were shit. <laughs> We've learned that today. Yeah. So he went back to the castle he was raised in, um, to in a place called Lacoste. And his wife, he was married some years before this, and his wife was still living at Lacoste, but she became an accomplice with him. And they would together hire a lot of young girls to come and work for them, ver- abuse them in various ways. And again, the turnover time would be pretty quickly because no one wanted to stick around. It got to the point where one man, a father of one of the serving girls, came and attempted to kill the Marquis, but failed because the gun he had backfired. I mean, it sounds like a reasonable point of call. Yeah, I I don't blame him at all because his daughter was working there and his daughter was obviously one of the women who was being abused. So I I don't blame the father at all at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1772, so a bit later that year, he was tricked into going to Paris and finally arrested. He spent quite a few years, a good decade, in insane asylums. Tricked into going to Paris? He was tricked into going to Paris because he got a letter saying that his mum was on his deathbed. And she'd actually died a few days before that letter was sent. Okay. So they basically were like oh yeah come to Paris your mum's dying you want to be with her in her last hours when in fact she'd snuffed it a few days before Yeah. so he was finally arrested and for most of the revolution he was in various prisons and insane asylums and he after the revolution despite having been an aristocrat he was actually let off quite lightly and it was only in 1801 that Napoleon ordered for the arrest of the anonymous author of two of the books that he'd written (laughs) called Justine and Juliet which is what the delights of which I will share with you now oh this is going to be great (laughs) it's both of them are very long books I really hope there's no kids listening to this oh god I really hope so as well (laughs) kids if you're listening Either put on headphones so your parents don't hear or turn off. At the very least, don't blame me. <laughs> don't blame me either. So, Justine was... I should be saying that it should be like Justine. Because, you know, French. Um, her story, this is all fictional, thank fuck. Um, at 12, began a quest for virtue after being raised in a convent... Uh, are you seeing the ties yep. back to the marquee? And they were kicked out of the convent after their father died. And she became employed in the Harpin house by a man called Harpin, who is also fictional. Um, but she was accused of theft and sentenced to death. In her time in prison, she became friends with a criminal who she 
escaped the prison with and hence saved her life but they set a prison fire and in this fire 21 people were killed so there's a lot of angst going on there over this pure virtuous woman who's been arrested and then jailbreaked and killed 21 people in the process okay and it's only there that her misfortunes begin oh joy <laughs> from there she leaves the band of people who escaped and accidentally trespasses on the land of the Count of the Bressac. Of Bressac? The Bressac? Well, who it's, takes... we're, we're, we're having a good run this time, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, like... we are. <laughs> he takes her in, um, saying that he she could work as a maid for his wife, and then keeps her as a sex slave, mm. um, doing all manner of horrific things. They're gang rape whipping anything you name he did to her and she escapes that and then goes to a monastery to say her confession and the monks are all pitying and lovely and oh come in and then gang rape her And in the end she actually refines her sister uh, who's had a pretty good life in contrast and she, the sister, Juliet, helps her sis, helps the woman to regain her life and get over her trauma and all of the gang rape and all of that. And then a few days later, Justine, our heroine, is struck by lightning and killed. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, wow. I didn't, like, I didn't expect that. Yeah, he he really had it. The Marquis really had it in for his heroine. Wow, like I that was like there were a few endings I could have expected, not that. Yeah, <laughs> like... yeah, he didn't like her, so she died at the age of twenty six in the novel. Jeez. Uh, in contrast, her sister, when the two of them were in the convent, her sister, who was thirteen years old at the time, was seduced by an older woman who explained to her that morality and religion, they were just facades, they didn't really matter. And instead, you should take whatever pleasure life could give you, no matter what the cost. Well. Um, on her travels, she meets, she, well, Juliet takes this to mean that she can do, well, she does do whatever she wants. She kills a lot of people. She goes on various travels and has a fairly fulfilling life. But along her way, she meets a woman called Clarewell, who was basically like the height of really radical feminist in the, you know, 16th century. Okay. Because uh, Clarewell's deal was that she was a woman who would murder and torture young men and boys in revenge for the atrocities that the male sex had committed in the past. Go on. Then, I, I, I'm uh, curious now. That... Then there was St. Saint, Saint Fond, who was a saint, as his name suggests, who committed incest with his daughter, murdered his father, and enjoys torturing girls to death on a daily basis. Are you sure this isn't just bad fan fiction? It sounds like it. It's bad fiction, at least. <laughs> and then the last woman that Juliet meets is 
a Russian woman called Minsky, who rapes and tortures young boys and girls to death before consuming the remains. So these are the two books which got the Marquis de Sade arrested and okay, imprisoned. Like, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, bear in mind this like was... For the time, for the, for the time period, like, yeah. I can see that. This was the thing. These books were only actually allowed for publication in the mid nineteen hundreds. Wow! Like even you wow. know they were three hundred years under wraps, and people just refused to let them out. That's wow! That, that's intense. Yeah, that's how bad they were. However, it's the last book that's the real kicker. I think, at least, mm. which is called One Hundred and Twenty Days of Sodom. I've heard of this. Yeah, there was also a film made of it, so yeah, it's quite it's like, famous. I think it's the film that I've heard of. Yeah, like, I knew it was a book, but I didn't know. But honestly, I don't know much about it, so enlighten me. <laughs> okay, so this was written whilst he was in prison, so it's not entirely finished, but he outlined the entire plot, and it's set in a castle where four wealthy aristocrats, who were libertines, as the Marquis de Sade was. And they locked themselves in with 36 victims, a bunch of teenagers of both sexes, four prostitutes, and their own daughters. And um, whilst in this castle, they take inspiration from the prostitute stories and reenact them on the teenagers they've kidnapped and the aforementioned daughters. Well. Yeah. Um, amongst these were also eight studs, or eight men, boys, whatever, who were pure, chosen purely on the basis that they had massive penises. <laughs> and they have delightful names such as Break Arse and Erect to the Sky. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> what did you say? That these studs, two of them, were called Break Ass and Erect to the Sky. <laughs> Which... I'm actually crying. <laughs> I didn't expect that. This should give you an idea of how big those fucking penises were. <laughs> well, okay. Um... So, most of these people die throughout the story. And... It's set around four months. Yeah. In the first months are the simple passions, which are only really simple because they don't involve penetrative sex. Okay. Um, however, they do involve men masturbating onto young girls. We're talking teenage girls. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of urine drinking and a lot of sex involving feces. And this is... The simple pleasures. Okay, I, I'm, um... I'm going to be horrified by this, aren't I? It, it gets worse. So, yeah, December was the slightly more complex passions, which involved incest, um, flagellation, so whipping, impact play, you know, beating people up, that sort of, all the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as a scene which is a man having sex with nuns during mass, which in a heavily Catholic country, which 
France, to the best of my knowledge, always has been, is a pretty big deal. Yeah, I can't see that going down very well. No, it's I can't imagine it either. Um, well, the ru- nuns, needless to say, did not consent to this. They were nuns. And, you know... Of course. The point is, is that if you're a nun, you're probably not going to be having sex. So January was the criminal pl- criminal pleasures, which involved... Oh, joy. Just, uh... Go on, enlighten me. The sodomy of very young girls, men who prostitute out their own daughters and watch, um, tearing off fingers and branding with hot irons. Huh. Yeah. And then February was the murderous month in which most of the victims were killed off uh, via being skinned alive the pregnant women were disemboweled. Um, entire families were burnt alive. And one scene where a man masturbates as girls are tortured to death. Well, okay. I think you gave me a run for my money. <laughs> and then March is the shortest one and it basically revolves around the survivors other than the four men who instigated the entire things all just being killed off and buried. So, basically, don't mess with the marquee. Like, holy shit. And the thing is about this, this wasn't written to be, you know, any sort of commentary on society. This was written so the guy could get his rocks off. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's the worst thing about it. Like, that's intense yeah i was reading up on it yesterday this morning and i was just like i feel physically sick this is all fictional but it's horrific like that's an impressive mindset to get in that time period Mm -hmm. and yeah needless to say this man was not popular when it was revealed he was the one who had written these three books yeah yeah so what happens to him in the end? Um, in the end, he dies in prison at the age of, I think, 74, 72? So he lived quite a while. That's impressive. Yeah. I was expecting to, like, get shanked or something at no, some point. Like... No, He did in- incredibly well, especially considering he was an aristocrat during the French Revolution. Like, yeah. That's not many peop- something many people survived. No, 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 no. Oh, also, when he was about 70, he also had a 14-year-old mistress. (laughs) Just to keep things... Of course he did. Just to keep things... Of course he did. Yeah, just to keep things, you know, um... What's the word I'm looking for? Consistent. Just to keep things consistent. His general... How? He was in prison! I don't know! I wish I did! I, I mean, I don't wish I did, thinking about it. This man was a mad fucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I, I think you picked a good story for this. I like, thank you. I'm glad you think so. Oh, man. Like, uh... Yeah. It's always a good sign when I'm, when I'm slightly horrified by the end, right? <laughs> like, yeah, that is good. That's I, I count that as an achievement. The film you were talking about, though, the filmmaker of 120 Days of Sodom, is, um too particularly in it's not as bad as the book because mm-hmm. you know this of course you can't 
put some of the things discussed in the book on screen yeah. without... I, I do recall it, wasn't it banned for a while? It probably was, yeah. Yes. It would have I think that's why I know that. Me. But the two most infamous scenes was a girl crawling around in her own shit and then eating it with a spoon. We hope this wasn't actual shit. We hope. Mm -hmm. And then another in which the victims of these four men were served a massive banquet, all of shit cooked in various different ways. Well, okay. Yeah, these these people just had an obsession with feces. That must have been interesting to film. Yeah, yeah. Like, what would their lunch conversations be like? I don't know. It's How like, do you get past that? It's like, oh yeah, you're doing shit eating scene today, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You out for drinks tonight? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be there. Don't worry. Just... After, oh man, yeah, that must have been interesting workplace banter. Yeah, <laughs> it's like definitely something. Yeah. Well, I hope that was horrific enough for you. Oh, I know that was great. a lot of you it. You picked a good choice. I think you made a good choice. Thank you. Thank you. I know a lot of it didn't actually happen, but again, I think that it's worse than the fact it doesn't have like it doesn't always have to be like yeah. like it's still something that to too fair, it's something that did happen. It was like, Yeah, yeah, it was written said, about. Yeah. We don't know how much of this he acted out. Hopefully not that much, but given what we do know about him, there was probably some of it which yeah. he did himself. Like I would not trust it to be Yeah. Yeah, that's that's something. Yeah, it's something. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. So that is that um everything you have for Yeah, that? that's me done. Brilliant. Uh then we'll wrap up. Nice. Real quick. Um we'll cut to a bit of music real quick and um just so we can't breather and mm-hmm. um then we'll just wrap up real quick. Nice. Cool. wrap up real quick tell us what <laughs> tell us what you're doing re- in life recently um i've been doing my degree a lot i've that's really all i have to report unfortunately that's fair enough literally you don't have to do much i don't i don't really have anything to plug i can plug my boyfriend's band go for it <laughs> listen to mandalorian they sing songs about lizards <laughs> it's a strong sell i'm glad you think so okay anyway so da 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 right and uh, once again, a shout out to Nox Arcana for um, providing our intermission music and just being generally amazing. And then a few podcasts I've enjoyed this week, um, Dark Histories podcast, Two Dads Review and Wine and Crime. Actually, really enjoyed all of them. So um, I'd recommend looking that up. Is Wine and Crime a similar thing to what this is? It sounds yeah, like it could kind of, be. Yeah, kind of. It's just a true crimey stuff, and it's really fun. That does sound fun. I, I'd recommend them. Like, I think that was the... I think they were actually the third podcast I listened to properly for a bit. Okay, nice. So, um, yeah. Can I plug something else, actually? Go for it. If you like science, and you like hearing people yell about science, I have a blog called the science inquisition on wordpress and i basically yell at greenpeace and 
animal rights activists and other similar silly things and discuss the fact that dinosaurs probably did exist. If you're interested in that, check it out. So there you go. You got it. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Right. Oh, yeah. I normally do a one uh, one pretty cool thing I've watched this week. Okay. Or just enjoyed this week. Okay. Um, I've just caught back up with Critical Role because they've been, like, they finally finished their main storyline after, like, a hundred or something episodes. Bloody hell. I've And I watched literally all of them because it is, <laughs> they're really good. It's a great D&D, like, stream they normally do. And, okay. Um, like, it's normally four-hour episodes or something like that. But, um, That's long. Because they're proper sessions. But, it's, yeah, yeah. but they do it with, like, all the players are, are like, voice actors. Mm. And it's, so, uh, and you've probably heard of, all, like, most of them at some okay. point. What, who, Like, Ma- Matthew Mercer, um, he does fucking everything. I can't even, I can't even think right now. <laughs> so many things, you um, can't remember any of them. Do you play Overwatch? Uh, yeah. He plays in McCree. Oh, okay. I'm not sure which one that is, not gonna lie. The I play but not much. Oh, okay. Uh, and loads of other stuff, uh, like, there's Laura Bailey, who does, uh, stuff like... Mo- She's also in Hearthstone because Hearthstone's yes. War- World of Warcraft. I don't play World of Warcraft, I do play Hearthstone. I play Warcraft 3. <laughs> Fan. <laughs> Shit. Fair. Um, yeah, and all sorts. Like She also did, like, her and uh, Travis William also did uh, former Archimist voices and stuff. Oh, nice. So, yeah, like, everything. Yeah. And I'm not going to put all that in, but fucking, you know. But yeah. Season five of Vikings is out. Wait, what? Season five of Vikings is out, and I'm Shit, so I, I didn't excited. know. I didn't know. I haven't watched the first episode yet. But I didn't know. It's appara- It apparently launched a few days ago. Oh my so god! I need, I need to, watch, to watch, that. watch that. I I love Vikings. I love. I love. Like things so like kind of slumped. I thought it slumped a bit in like season two or three. I can't remember which. Mm. But then it got really good again last season, and I was like, last season I just found really sad. Yeah. Just wanted to give them all a cuddle. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, voice out spoiling everything. Yeah. Uh, we'll um cut it there. And I will see you guys next week. And I will see you at some point, possibly never. I will oh. disappear into the abyss. Well you're always welcome back on again because that was a lot of fun. Okay, so, I'm um, glad, thank you. Yeah, just let me know. Okay. And uh yeah. So signing off, cut to music. <laughs>